0: It's time for the Mac Geek Gab, and listener Todd brings us our quick tip of the week. With, I have been using the Mac since the 128K Mac, a long time. (laughs) I have never really started using tabs and windows in the Finder. Uh, When I when moving files around, I often want to open the folder I am in in a new window. Right clicking on the folder in column view gives you the option to open a new tab. Not what I want. It has been driving me crazy and thinking, there must be a way to open a new window. Today, I right-clicked and for the heck of it, held down the option key and voila, open te- new tab changed to open in new window. Uh-huh. Or tips like this, plus your questions answered today on the Mac Geek Gab 971 for March 6, 2023. Uh-huh.
1: Welcome to Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in tips like that. You send in your questions. You send in your cool stuff found. We share your cool stuff found and your tips. We try to answer your questions as best we can. Sometimes we have tips, cool stuff found, and even questions of our own. We put it all together uh, into an agenda. And the goal is that we make it through the agenda successfully. Success means... Every single one of us has learned at least five new things every single time we get together. Sponsors for this episode include ZocDoc at ZocDoc.com MGG. That's where you go to sign up for fee. For fee? No. Sign up <laughs> no, for no free. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. No fee. Sign up for free. First day with a new mouth. And uh, download, uh, you can download the app and Find Doctors. uh, It's fantastic. We'll talk more about that in depth. Other sponsors for this episode include Collide, K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash M-G-G and Honey at JoinHoney.com slash M-G-G. We'll tell you why you are going to want to visit those URLs uh, uh, for us later. I mean, one of the reasons would be to just support the show when you visit those URLs and learn about our sponsors. That actually helps us regardless of whether you buy Uh, But there's other reasons why you will want to talk about why you will want to learn about them. (laughs) We will talk about those reasons in a little bit for now, back here, hot off the plane from Cancun here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. And here
2: in Fairfield, Connecticut, um, this is John F. Braun. Hey, bonjour from Paris, France. It's Pilot
0: Pete, everybody. I'm stoked. After the show today, I'm going to wander over to my favorite restaurant in the entire system, Fenêtre Secours, Window on the Courtyard, which is the French name for Jimmy Stewart and Princess Grace's movie, The Rear Window. Rear Window. What a great movie. Oh, yeah. So it's Window on the Courtyard and it's all his menu is all hollywood themed movies and all that and i'm going to have my favorite burger the casablanca which is a lamb burger
1: Ah, there you go
0: this place is amazing nice uh, yeah so i'm stoked to be here with you guys
1: that's great i you know traveling it can be it can be uh, tiresome obviously uh, yeah. but when you wind up being able to sort of visit the same places and have your favorite things that you simply cannot get at home because we don't have transporters yet to like you know bring you there for dinner. It's a nice little respite in the the grind that can sometimes be travel. So oh, that's great. Amen. Rear window geeky fact about that that I learned in a film class in high school. That was the the intent of that movie, and it was it was almost successful. And I'll, I'll explain the asterisk there was to film it in with one shot. And it it was filmed with one shot, except there is not at the time there was not enough film to film the full movie in one shot. So there is a moment in the middle of the movie where the camera pans across a column in the middle of the apartment. And that is where they paused the camera. They had everybody stay where they were. <laughs> they, You know, they uh, they changed the film out and then they continued the pan. And oh, so that that's the one little change. So
0: the first Blair Witch trial. Uh, yeah. And shot. Um,
1: uh, yeah. But but much better shot than the Blair yeah, Witch project. Yeah, abso-
0: was. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So as long as you're on that one other little piece of trivia, old timey <laughs> <laughs> films, you know, in the upper right corner, you see the little circle. Yeah. And then a little bit later, you see the circle again. That's not a flaw in the film. That's a signal to the projection operator
2: to change reels. Oh yeah, I was gonna say that.
1: Ah. Yeah. What is that? I didn't know that. That's interesting. interesting. Ah, yeah. Amazing. I love this show. See, I'm already learning new things.
0: You see, we're learning things, right? We're learning
1: things. <laughs> I would I think maybe though, uh our listeners might want to get back to learning things about the Mac. And oh, so okay. <laughs> you started with the Finder Pete and Listener Mike will continue with the Finder he says if you want your folders listed first in a Finder window that's in list mode scroll over to the rightmost column and sort by kind and when you sort by kind folders float to the top thank you for that Mike that's great i do that this is the beauty of quick tips i i i well the quick tips that I love the most are the ones that I did not know. Like like your opening quick tip. I had no idea that you could, you could hold down the option key to right-click and do that. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. My second favorite kind are the kind that I've known and use all the time, but have completely overlooked the fact that they would be valuable to everybody else. I don't like the fact that I've overlooked it, but I like the fact that somebody else hasn't, and we share it. And that's what Mike's quick tip was. So, yeah, it's
0: nice. I think I'm going to go through menus and just tap the option key
1: and see what i get i am looking forward to the results of your experiments pete yeah john you got something you you stumbled onto something this week
2: yeah um so i was uh playing with my um homepod minis and we had some questions about the homepod which we'll get to eventually i think um but here's something i noticed dave so i ran the home app on my phone and when you do that it shows you all the devices that it knows about and it shows my tv it shows my apple tv it shows home pods but then on the top of the screen i noticed a little button it says climate and i'm like huh <laughs> if you tap on it, it the, the home pod uh i think it was an update in like in january that did this uh but the home pod knows the temperature and humidity in the room huh i'm like okay that's an interest (laughs) i didn't know it could do that but it can
1: interesting and i think i even
2: had a a chat with it i'm like you know what's the what's the temperature and humidity and it told me what it was it's like okay so i i would imagine that the, the the use for this would be you know writing a script where you know if the uh humidity is is over a certain amount turn on the air conditioner if the temperature is below a certain temperature you know turn sure. on the mm.
1: uh, alert um, alert me if it's too low yeah so we we call we would i mean you you correctly but in a misnomer kind of way refer to it as a script um it it's a shortcut automation is right. what you would that that's how you would interface with with it uh in the um can, do you do those automations in the Home app? I guess you do. You could probably do them in both places. I, you know, I I I do it, and I don't think about it. Yeah, it's the automation tab at the bottom of the Home app would mm-hmm. be would be where you would do that. And and uh, you're absolutely right. Like I have, I don't use HomePods for this because I don't have any, but I use like my Nest thermostats to alert me if the temperature gets too low. That'll tell me that there's a problem with the heat. Like like that morning. Uh, not too long ago, where he didn't want to turn on in the studio here. Uh, it is the HomePod mini and the second generation large HomePod that have temperature and humidity sensors that you can access. So, yeah, good stuff.
2: Yeah, uh, Go ahead. I do something similar with. Uh, so I also uh, so I don't really use the home app, but I do something similar with my SmartThings hub. So that's that's my main platform. That's your access. To um, it. Yeah. And one of the one of the triggers that I put in the uh, in the app is, uh, yeah, let me know if the battery gets too low because I don't have a C wire. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. So I have to have a battery operated one. And uh, if the batteries are shot, then the thermostat doesn't work, which is bad if uh, it's going below freezing. Yeah, yeah so I have for sure. to me that. So and the temperature, it'll also tell me, you know, or, or I I think I wrote one also, I think I wrote a trigger also for um or I call it a trigger, a script, whatever um and it I, says,
1: yeah, it's too cold <laughs> i um i I have scenarios here where I don't have c wires in my thermostats, and I finally did away with the uh with having to like deal with that by getting a, a 24 volt c wire adapter from Amazon. They sell them for like, well, right now they're 18 bucks minus a $2 coupon. I'll put a link in the show notes uh to the c wire adapter, but uh the the I mean, the simplest way to do it would be to just run it in into your thermostat and r- let the cable run down the wall and plug it into an outlet. The the um The sexy way to do it is to, you know, drop it down in the wall and poke a hole next to the outlet and and, and just, you know, kind of run it that way so that you don't have a wire running down your uh, your wall. Or you could run it up if you're on the top floor and you have outlets in your attic. But um, putting these things on my thermostats has made my life so much better. Uh, So.
0: So it's been a long time since I've installed a thermostat. What yeah. does the C-wire do? I mean, it's been 15 years.
1: Yeah, so a a typical thermostat installation, like old-school thermostat uh, for just heat, would mm-hmm. be a two-wire installation. And, and it would be a, a white wire and a red wire, uh, and likely what would be called red heat, RH. And right. and essentially what happens is you you cross those two wires, and that tells the— uh, the, the the source of heat, whatever that might be, time to activate, right? And then when it, it closes, when the the closes the circuit, and then opens yeah. the circuit when it when it reaches temperature, or whatever. Right. Um, if your thermostat needs its own power, though, it uh, a lot of thermostats are built with sort of the presumption or expectation that you have more than two wires in your system, and the third wire, one of the the additional wires would be what's called the C wire or the common wire. Uh, Most heat systems run on 24 volt AC, which is super bizarre in that it's, (laughs) it's uncommon, right? But, um, but that's what, that's what like, you know, most uh, oil and propane boilers or even natural gas boilers, like that's what they run on. And so you can feed that C wire right from the power supply, the transformer, on your your boiler or whatever your heat source is right and so it's there that makes sense that's why the thermostats are built to run on 24 volt ac because they they know that that the heat sources are built for that so if you have the wire there makes life super easy if you don't have a third wire in your system you either need a thermostat that will support not running with a c wire (laughs) yeah, two wire and like some of the nest thermostats support what they call power stealing Where they don't quite close the circuit enough um, to trigger the the heat to come on.
0: Oh, that is such outside the box thinking,
1: right? But they they grab and they like like trickle power from it uh, to 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 charge the battery in the thermostat. And so, power stealing can be weird. It depends on what kind of zone valves you have. Like I was finding my new zone valves were were like half open all the time, and it was like okay. I I can either go to different types of zone valves or I can just solve this problem the right way and put a C wire adapter in there. And that's where this whole long conversation uh started from. So yep. Sorry,
0: I didn't mean to go down that rabbit hole, but
1: it's a good uh, rabbit hole. No, this is a yeah. this is a, a major headache for those of us that like to run digital homes and, and you know smart homes in houses that were built without T- more than two wires for our heating systems. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a real I I'm, I'm glad you went down this rabbit hole. I, I I think it I we've we've referred to it many times in the show, but I don't know that we've ever gone this deep. So I'm I'm glad we yeah. did. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah, it's good. So a link is in the show notes for the uh C-wire adapters that I've been buying. I mean it, you know, they're I I, I am not brand loyal to these at all. So <laughs> um right. If you are brand loyal to Gmail because you, you know, use Gmail, listener Bruno has a tip for us. He says yesterday I received an email that was destined for a person that shares my first and last name. It was addressed to Bruno dot at Gmail dot com. Since the email contained an invoice, I saw the man's actual address and was able to find him and email him back. My email address, he says, is Bruno last name without the dot between the first and last. Uh, He says uh, he he started researching this and found a link on Google uh, in their help index that says that you don't just own the email address you think you own. You can insert one dot between any letters and. That is still your email address. And it, you can have multiple dots, just not right next to each other. So, you know, first name dot last name. Fine. First letter dot second letter dot third letter dot fourth letter, etc. Fine. First name dot dot last name. Not fine. That's not your address. So um, I wound up with Dave Hamilton at Gmail dot com when Gmail told me somebody else already had that. So I got Dave dot Hamilton at Gmail dot com before they instituted this change. And then when they did institute this change, somehow I won that lottery and I am I, I have all of those addresses. I sh- am happy sharing this address on the show because it is utterly useless to me because of all of this. There are. So many people that instead of writing down, you know, Dave Hamilton, 65 at com, they write down Dave Gmail Hamilton it. and I get their email. It, the only thing that Dave Hamilton at Gmail address does is uh, has an autoresponder on it that says you didn't reach the Dave <laughs> Hamilton you're looking for.
0: That's it. Uh Wait a minute. How are you going to get all that cash out of Zimbabwe
1: then, man? Oh, I already got the cash out of Zimbabwe. (laughs) Oh, good. Okay. I wasn't really in Cancun seeing fish last week. I was (laughs) over meeting with a Zimbabwe uh, prince's agent. Yeah, that's right. Yep. (laughs)
0: With American dollars in his trunk, and, yeah. correct.
1: Yeah, it was all those American dollars. Uh, I certainly wouldn't have flown back into the country with more than ten thousand American dollars because who would think to do that?
0: Um, who, would do that? who would do that? <laughs> there you go. Hey, along yeah. those lines, though, here's uh, I've done it over the years for spam control, and I had forgotten about it till a lady the other day goes, "Well, your email address isn't over honda dot your email address at gmail." I went. Oh, actually, it is, and that way, if you ever sell my email address, I'll know it. So and I'll turn you off forever.
1: You don't use the dot for that. You use the plus sign for that.
0: Is it the plus sign? Correct. Maybe that I the, forgot. You're right. You're right. Thank
1: the you dot for, is yeah. The that. dot is as we just described in a, a, yeah. invisible as long as it's a single dot for your your yeah. Gmail address. There is an RFC m- meaning a standard f- for yeah. lack of a, a deeper explanation that says that and your email address so for example if i and i'll use my dave hamilton at gmail.com address for for this uh i get mail to dave hamilton at gmail.com as we just discussed i get mail to dave.hamilton and d.a.v. etc you know yeah. all of that i also get mail to dave hamilton plus pilot pete at mac at, at, at gmail.com or dave hamilton yeah. plus uh you know problem. dover honda at gmail.com yeah. And that is a standard most, but not all, uh, email providers adhere to this standard. I think even iCloud Mail adheres to this standard. Hopefully someone will correct me if I'm wrong. But to your point, Pete, it's a great way of of sort of compartmentalizing things. Uh, Using it as an anti-spam thing, it certainly could work if people are stupid. If someone's going to spam you, they know about this RFC, and they can just go and parse out the plus sign and anything okay. after it
0: right sure so well, i have I have used it on a couple of occasions to go why you know that's not who got that email address the first time, and then I just turned that email address off completely. it
1: goes away sorry i uh, I dropped your volume there, Pete. I turned off your echo oh. cancellation while you were uh, talking, and your volume dropped like crazy. Yeah, I don't know I don't why know that, that
0: keeps turning back on. My apologies because I'm right. on headset. That's all right. Anyway, my, my point was I, I have used it on a couple of occasions to go, okay, now I'm turning that email address off because you, you clearly sold my email.
1: Yeah, you <laughs> sold my stuff. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: I think I discussed I, it <laughs> back was the duck.com. Got it. Hide my email. And yeah. I'm sorry, John. You were starting something.
2: Um, I found out that there's a teacher out there named John Braun. Because uh, and I had to, I had to abandon one of my early Gmail addresses because everybody was sending me stuff. And I found out this guy was a teacher because I would get students begging for extensions or or, or stuff like that. And I was really <laughs> tempted to say, "I'm I'm sorry, you failed the course."
1: <laughs> oh, I would grant the extension. I'm a terrible person. I I, I, I you know I'd be like, sure, sure, yep.
0: Tell you what. Next fall. Just bring it to be my next fall.
1: <laughs> there you go. I don't know why I can't get your level up, Pete, and turn off echo cancellation. Let me All see right. if...
0: Well, let me do this. I'm going to hit mute for a second.
1: Okay. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to tell them about All the next quick right. tip while you work on that.
0: All Let's right. Move the mic closer.
1: Yeah, there you go. All right. Uh, Mark M. shares a happy little quick tip. Back in 968, we were talking about various different remotes to be used with Apple TV and uh, Mark says, uh, I have an Apple TV Gen 1, but only one. Uh, so, it, but it, but I have lots of remotes and I tested all of my old white remotes with my Apple TV Gen 2, my Apple TV HD, my Apple TV 4K and my Apple TV 4K third generation. All remotes worked with all of my Apple TVs. It seems you can use any Apple TV remote with any Apple TV version, as they all seem to have IR receivers. That is fascinating. I didn't, I didn't realize that the newer Siri remotes had IR receivers. I'm not – do they? Is that why this works, or does it work over yes. like, Wi-Fi somehow? Okay, all right, you have the answer.
2: No, the Siri remote – the thing is the – so the first two ones, the first two um, remotes were IR only – the the Siri remotes have both IR and Bluetooth, so that's the difference. So yes, they all have IR. They all they have all
0: IR. Okay, it, interesting.
2: Yeah, but it's neat it was... because the newer ones, um, if you if you try to use them and they aren't paired, um, one of the latest updates on Apple TV, you know, it, it came up and because I I had to reset it for some reason, and sure. and it came up. And said, "Yeah, could you could you hold your remote a little closer to the Apple TV so I can bond
1: with it?" So that must have been Bluetooth, right? The the hold yes. it closer to yeah. bond. Okay, <laughs> right, uh, right. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Huh? Cool, cool. I right, yeah, yeah okay. I guess I got to look it, at my Siri remote and see. Sorry, go ahead, Pete. Yeah.
0: Oh, uh, sorry. Okay. So, how's my volume now? Is that good?
1: yeah yeah if you stay on okay, the mic, it's right, good
0: yeah yeah okay good all right so my assumption was it was the apple t v itself that had a had the i r receiver so regardless of the generation of the t v an old remote would work on it because an i r receiver is pointing at it I didn't realize the new remotes were i r and bluetooth both yeah but I guess it kind of makes sense it keeps them backward compatible
1: it right yeah exactly yeah that's that's i mean what a it's really smart i like it i like it. Yeah.
2: Uh, i'll I'll have to just lean in
1: there you go okay all right
2: (laughs) yeah and TiVo kind of does that too they let you choose whether to be in rf mode or ir mode for those that still have a TiVo.
1: yeah yeah time to get rid of that time to uh to move on to to oh
2: i'm gonna run it i mean i have lifetime service on it so i'm you know,
1: I'm going to run it until it dies. Of course you are. That's one of the things I love about you. <laughs> no, I mean, like I, there
2: are still shows that I record that I can't easily get to by other means or would have to pay right. money. Right.
1: But it I leaves you that. stuck mm-hmm. requiring a cable like huh. subscription, like an, you yes. know, so that that's what I'm saying. Like True. losing that, you free yourself and probably could save a boatload of money moving to like fiber uh, and and not paying for your cable and just like pay channels, for, baby, yeah, channels. pay for some version of you know Fubo or YouTube TV or or something like that. So mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Uh, our last quick tip comes from listener Ken, who shares. I, I I I'm not sure I understand this, but I'm I'm hoping I do. He says it's almost too simple. That's probably why I don't understand it. I I, I overthink everything. He says I notice uh when booting ventura, when when booting ventura is in the upper left corner of the screen and uh it's it's small some might say too small apple says it cannot be made bigger until you log in you can use the keyboard to highlight the user you want to log into so i guess he's talking about the login screen press the down arrow and the first account will be highlighted press the right arrow and you can ex- select which account to log into press return and enter your password so i guess he's seeing the the login screen for ventura is it has small text but you can use the keyboard to navigate that that login screen yeah that's that's um that's handy stuff i like it we got uh we got questions we got quick we got uh oh no we're done with quick tips questions cool stuff found all sorts of stuff <laughs> All right, so look, you know how it goes. You've been stewing about this health problem you have. You almost resort to texting your group chat to get your friends' opinions, but you're extremely unlikely to find quality medical advice in your group chat. However, you can find it from a doctor on our sponsor, ZocDoc. Thousands of medical professionals on ZocDoc are there to help you. They listen like a friend and give you the expert care you need. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. Book surprise twists and tangents might work for podcasts, but maybe not so much for the medical care. Right. With ZocDoc, there are no alarms and no surprises. Choose from thousands of patient-reviewed doctors and specialists, browse doctor profiles, Upload and verify your insurance information and get the care you need. To do this, go to ZocDoc.com slash MGG and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash MGG. ZocDoc.com slash MGG. Make sure you go there. That way they know we sent you. And our thanks to ZocDoc for sponsoring this episode. Next up, our sponsor, Collide, has some big news. If you're an Okta user, they can get your entire fleet to 100% compliance. How? Well, if a device isn't compliant, then the user can't log in to your cloud apps until they fix the problem. It's that simple. Collide patches one of the major holes in zero-trust architecture, device compliance. Without Collide, IT struggles to solve basic problems like keeping everyone's OS and browser up to date. Unsecure devices are logging into your company's apps because there's nothing there to stop them. Collide is the only device trust solution that enforces compliance as part of authentication and it's built to work seamlessly with Okta. The moment Collide's agent detects a problem, it alerts the user and gives them instructions to fix it. If they don't fix the problem within a set time, they're blocked and it uses Slack to do this. It makes life super easy for everyone Collide's method means fewer support tickets, less frustration, and most importantly, 100% fleet compliance. Visit Collide.com slash MGG to learn more or book a demo. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash MGG. And our thanks to Collide for sponsoring this episode. All right, John, let's take us to our first question, Mm. would you please? Yes,
2: uh, Chuck has a question. I don't
1: know. And uh, John's John's got the, the, uh, the, the, the you've got the ambulance wall, coming. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
2: <laughs> no, that's that's the fire truck. Okay, I know. I know the. Uh, I'm
1: sure you do. Yeah. Sirens. All right.
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So Chuck says after restarting my wife's computer and being sure only email and Safari are running, the low memory flag appeared again. And what he means by that is a message comes up saying, your computer is low on memory to free up some memory. Please close a few applications. Um, I've seen this. So I'll, I'll tell you more later. Um, um, before and after the system monitor memory window looked like the following. Is it reasonable that with two applications running, almost five gigs of memory of eight is in use? Uh a few minutes after another restart, the low memory flag appeared again, but the memory monitor did not change. It is still showing green, um, and it's showing green for memory pressure, um, and green is good um, for, for that setting. So I'm still not sure why, why this is happening. Um, on the off chance that it is an iCloud syncing function, we've turned off all iCloud functions. The reason to suspect that is that we have a cable internet with great download speed, 60 to 100 megabits down, but only 10 megabits up. So if data is being synced to iCloud, could that be bogging things down? We're also planning a call to Apple support. And I thought I knew the answer, but I don't think I do, Dave. So um, I've gotten this, and we've touched on it a while back, but that memory is actually a lie. <laughs> the,
1: the, or that, which, the, 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 which The dialogue.
2: Memory? The dialogue saying that you're low on memory. I don't think he's low on memory. Okay. I mean, you know, he said, you know, five of eight is being used that, you know, there should be should be plenty of breathing room there.
1: And and, um, and from his screenshot, we can see that no swap is being used, meaning the system hasn't decided to engage the uh, the, the drive, the SSD or the hard drive, presumably an SSD on this machine to like. For overflow, right? So it's not hitting that Mm. overflow point. And that that overflow point happens commonly and is not necessarily a a bad sign. So the fact that he's hitting no swap use tells me like we're not we're not having a problem. Hmm.
2: Yeah, I'm at at least in my case, though, um, what I found is that that's probably a sign that you don't have a lot of free disk space. So I can't make swap. Oh, at least that's what, what did it for
1: me, right? Were you out of so? So when you saw this on your machine, you were I was critically low on
2: free disk space.
1: Aha! Oh, and I got this message. Oh, that makes sense.
2: So what I did is, you know, I ran Omni Disk Sweeper to uh, you know free up, find out who's hogging all my disk space.
1: Um, wait, wait stop, 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 stop. Omni Disk Sweeper is the wrong thing to run these days. It it like it doesn't see everything. Okay. Uh, it hasn't in many OS versions unless you like run it as root. You you mm-hmm. you want to use something more modern um, and Space Lens, which is part of Clean My Mac, would, okay. would be my recommendation. Unless something has changed with Omni Disk Sweeper that I don't know about now. Obviously, I thought that's possible.
2: it did in a recent update, but I haven't seen I mean, an it. it it's, I mean, it helped me get the, the job done. Okay. The other thing that I found, Dave, is that. APFS is a bit lazy on freeing up disk space. I've noticed this, and and you've probably noticed this. Um, So, you know, you put some files in the trash, you empty the trash, and you look at the free space, and it hasn't changed. It's like, dude. (laughs) Um, What I found is running disk utility from recovery sometimes nudges the machine into freeing up that space. I've definitely had this happen to me. Yeah. You know, I go to recovery, I run disk utility, and then I, you know, go back in into the OS, and it's like, oh yeah, here's here's all that space that you you wanted. Huh. Um, the thing is, Chuck wrote in and said that isn't it. So I'm I'm looking at you guys. I'm looking at you guys to, to for suggestions here. He has like I think he said he has like 80 gigs free, which that should be plenty.
1: Yep, I would I would agree with that. Um- so why I, is he getting this this message? Well, I you know I'm I'm I, and and this may be a red herring, and it, I'm I'm still trying to figure out how whether the how recent Omni Disreaper is. Uh, and I, I I've,
0: I've got an observation.
1: I can't. It. Yeah, go ahead, Pete. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I get that message on certain websites, and I can't tell you which ones it is, but some that seem to be using lots of resources and and I just don't have, I'm sorry, I can't go, Oh, it's this website or that website. It's not coming up. And it's certainly not in my memory at this point in time, but I've noticed that certain websites seem to trigger that error for me more than others. And if I get, I'll I'll let clean my Mac, free up some memory and I'll close that website And and it goes away and stays away. If I open the website back up, I get that error again. So it's, I think it's some poor code on, on some interactive sites slash servers is that, that that's Asian <sighs> and it's purely anecdotal.
1: <laughs> so, so wait, you're saying that it, it, it it's, it's just like poorly written apps.
0: Yeah, I think, well, I think poorly, poorly wit speaking of new mouth, uh, poorly written interactive um, it, it, for instance, there's a website I can go to that I can do bidding on and and it doesn't happen on that site but I can bid for my schedules there's there's server-side activity going on there
1: oh okay so like Safari yeah. memory leaks is is what you're, I guess you're saying, bro- yeah browser yeah. memory yeah I mean yeah. certainly that can cause memory to bloat up but when that happens you will see more memory used and generally speaking you'll see it spill into swap when that yeah. happens but you're totally right yeah I mean your browser can often in fact be the largest user of memory Um, yeah yeah Yeah. but but you would see usage like it it's it wouldn't be hidden from you and so like the fact that there is zero swap used on this system which clearly only has eight gigs of memory that tells me
0: that makes it a real poser
1: well there are ways at least there (laughs) used to be ways it's been a while since i've dug into this john help me here but there, there were at least ways of telling your system not to use swap, uh, and and I remember mm. doing some of this in the past when when we had slower like spindle disks, you, you know that would when when things started swapping, it would get super slow, and so like intentionally, we nerds would say, okay, well, I'm gonna do whatever terminal incantation it was. I, I can't remember, but essentially disabling the system's ability to to spill over into swap. In today's world, like it doesn't slow things down, at least not the way it used to. And I'm not convinced it slows things down at all to to go into swap. So I don't even know if that's possible, but seeing a system that's using no swap uh, makes me wonder. uh, Like, is is it, is it, has it been told not to? And then in that case, uh, you know all of this would would start to make sense i don't know that's um that's my uh that's my story at least mm-hmm. that's what I think my story is i don't know do you, do you, do you have any recollection of this John I remember we talked about it on the show, but it's been a while like like years maybe even decade
2: nobody um all right. Hmm. No, I, I I remember the thing you're talking about. I, I personally would not I, disabling swap. I don't think is a good thing to do. <laughs>
1: well, no, I mean, it, and that's why it was a, a, a terminal, like a thing that we would we nerds would intentionally do for certain scenarios where it's like, I, I no matter what, I don't want you to spill into swap while I'm doing this thing. And so we would turn it off and you just have to remember to turn it back on because otherwise, like you said, it would be a bad thing. But, uh, you know, it. it but I, 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 I forget. So feedback at com If if you folks have any thoughts on this, or if you have a oh, question yeah. of your own, your quick tip of your own, cool stuff found of your own. Was, was that feedback at com? Yeah. Now that I've got you loud said, enough, Pete. Yes. That's what it was. Yeah. 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 I think you okay. said,
0: feedback at MackeyCab.com. Uh, amazing. Okay. Okay. Um, I was just doing some, while you were talking, I was doing some, some Google foo and there are some articles there on disabling swap and okay. speeding up your s s d and in, in mac os
1: so, yeah okay. um, so so maybe checking it, that and you doing it in the reverse right so that you you know you turn turn it back on let's put some of those links in the show notes for folks pete for further uh for the reading yeah, those those show notes okay. will be at at dot com and yeah, I had to turn on your echo cancellation again pete I, I don't know why your system uh, and it's probably a stream yard thing, but whatever. I just hate, uh, okay. hate having, right. you don't, you are using headphones, right? Like the sound is, I am. Yeah. Okay. See right in my earballs. Yeah. So th- th- <laughs> there shouldn't be a need for echo cancellation. Anyway, uh, should not, we will just have to try and not talk over each other. Uh, you want to tell us about our Lee, has, I could do that.
0: Yeah. Let good. me, uh, so let me pull up what I had on him. So it, this goes back to, uh, Hey Siri. Oops, uh, Hey, Hey S lady.
1: <laughs> yes, sir.
0: Sorry, everyone. <laughs> uh, you know, turn off the light in 20 minutes. Right. And,
1: I, and I said that was like, wasn't possible.
0: Uh. You know, well, Yeah. And so he wrote in and said, well, yeah, in 20 minutes, Hey, you know, Hey S lady in 20 minutes, turn off the desk light fail. Turn off desk light in twenty minutes. Success. I tried it and I, I got, you know, sorry, I can't do that for you. And the other one was, you know, hey, uh, that Google app isn't installed. I'm like, I didn't even mention Google. Right. So, S lady, you know, you're you're not being very helpful. But he did. I will add that he added some. Some hilarity in there, (laughs) for lack of a better word. He said, let me help with a personality analysis of Siri using the five five big personality traits. Openness, scores high. She likes to whiteboard ideas but doesn't pay much attention to outcomes (laughs) or results. (laughs) Conscientiousness, scores low. She often forgets to fix what is wrong and sometimes appears unorganized. She's not consistent and doesn't seem to care. Extrovert, scores high. She loves attention and bling agreeableness scores high she just wants to get along she'll agree with you if you like her afterwards and neuroticism scores high yes she's moody siri is indeed moody
1: yeah serious moody so i we got a lot of comments about this after our my opening quick tip of a recent episode yeah. where i said you could do this with the a lady but you can't do it with the s lady and and like arlie uh, wrote in Many of you said you're wrong. I do this all the time with the S yes lady. And so I set about uh, trying to figure out where and why and what. And some of my devices will do this with Siri. Some of them will not. And they are 100% consistent as to which device. If a device does it once, it will do it all the time. If a device never does it, I can never get it to do it. I thought maybe it was okay. Devices that are connected via home bridge would be in one category and devices that are super native home kit would be in another. Not the case. I can't even using my, my well honed troubleshooting mindset. I cannot find a rhyme or reason as to how to decipher whether a device will support this with Siri or not support this. And and again, by this, we mean saying S lady, turn off, device in five minutes or in five minutes turn off device whatever the language i've tried different permutations of language it it doesn't seem to matter i don't get why this would happen i'm sure there's a good reason or there's a reason i'm not convinced it's going to be good yeah but uh but yeah it it's been it's been interesting so yeah and
0: what's what's the name of the new protocol that everybody's leaning into
1: matter pete matter yeah uh, that's right i knew it would matter It it does matter. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, You know what matters is mail. And we had uh, we've had a couple of questions about mail recently. Uh, Listener Jared wrote in and asked. um, Is there a tool or keystroke I can use to file email messages in Apple Mail? I recall a long time ago you on the show shared your favorite add-ons or extensions for mail and one of them could help file emails. For example, do a keystroke, maybe get a dialogue box, start typing the folder name, and boom, the email is filed. Um, he says, last year I switched to the Spark email client, and I like the UI, and it allows for tons of keystrokes. But with their latest version, I can no more no longer export emails to things. They say it's on their roadmap, but he says, I'm thinking of going back to mail for exactly this. Um you can so in mail you there there is the message moved to uh command, and you can go to that and choose mailboxes and you probably could even set some keystrokes there uh by by going to uh uh whether would that be system settings I believe is where you would do this like using the mac os's Uh, name a a keystroke functionality. It's going to be a little tedious to do this, but you could go into, where is keyboard? Is it in general now? I I freaking hate what they've done to me here in uh, in this. No, I guess it's just, there's just the. I love it when my audio cuts out when I'm doing things in Mac OS. I am dealing with Apple on that by the way. they They are very curious about this uh, yeah, and the fact that I can replicate it on all of my Macs, and my guess is all of you can too. but anyway, uh, going into keyboard shortcuts in the uh, keyboard system settings pane would be one way to uh would be one way to do that. however, uh, there is an add-on that will that will do this for you. And it is mail acton. Uh, that is the key. No pun intended. It's part of small cubes, mail suite. Uh, and, and it includes a couple of other things. Uh, mail acton is, is, is one of them signature profilers. Another, those are the two I use mail tags is, I believe their most popular one. It's just not one that I use, but it's all part of small cubes, mail suite. So I, I, I can't imagine running, Mail without Mail Suite, and so, um, so that that would do it. Because I can, I can assign rules to any keystroke I want. Is one of the things Mail Acton does. So, uh it, you know, I could, I could say, I, you know, anytime I type this keystroke, I want it to go into that mailbox, no matter what. And then, boom. But you can also have it be because it's a rule. You can actually have some if statements. So you can have it be conditional. Based on criteria of the message, so you could have a keystroke for archive. But if you've got four different mail accounts, you could have the archive keystroke archive to the correct archive box for that mail account based on the criteria in Mail's rules. But you're still just using the same archive keystroke all the time. It's cool. It's 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 really it's a fantastic thing, John. You you and I've been talking about Mail Act on because one thing it can do is it has outbox rules so you can have it like for example when we reply to you from when you email feedback at mackie or if you're a premium listener and you email premium at mackie when one of the three of us replies to that we cc that same address so that the other two of us can see the reply and it it you know it makes us realize oh that question's been answered i can move on to the next one uh I think I realized recently that you weren't using Mail Acton to do this as an outbox rule because I I've been using that for a long time. Have you started using Mail Acton's outbox rules to auto add that CC? Not yet. Oh, dude, please do that because because it it eliminates the opportunity for human error. Mm-hmm. Not only human error where you might forget to do it, but also human error mm-hmm. where you pick the wrong one. The computer will always pick the right one. Makes life super easy. So. Yeah, and you've already you've already have MailSuite. You don't right? Like you use that for signature mm-hmm. profile. Oh, dude, dude, this is a five minute ad, mm-hmm. and it will change it will change your life. So, uh, all right. Do you guys have any other ways of of filing mail that don't rely on MailSuite? Maybe maybe another plugin or another another thing before we move on to the next mail question.
2: No, I which, find this leaky works great
1: well but that always that, that files them in the same place
2: <laughs> yes <laughs> but effectively
0: <laughs> every time it's it tried it so effective. yeah no I, I i'm using that although i'll be interested to play with using a keystroke to file it because i have not been doing that ah huh. um i've been you know it it comes in and Messages about my other show turn blue and go to that folder. Sure. Messages about the airplane do that, and you know, so that's cool. I like that about it. It's nice. Yeah, yeah. The rules are super effective, but I got to play with this
1: keystroke thing. That's it's amazing. Yeah, and you right, you have you have Mail Suite too because you use it for signature yeah. Yeah. So Yeah, yeah. You're good to go yeah. on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the the next thing that we have here on Mail is. I don't know why I don't have any of this stuff. Is from Chris about filtering spam, and I'm going to try and find Chris's note. But if I can't, I will simply, yeah, I'll simply read it. Uh, Chris asks, and I don't think we've answered this, but maybe there has. Um, I don't think we have. Now maybe we did. Pete, did we do? Did we do this in a show where you weren't here? Um. Pete surfaced these for us, but I, I. Um.
0: I don't know. Did I miss it? I mean, I try to listen to the shows even when I'm not here. Yeah. I just, uh, I'm just wondering if there's a way, especially servers. I don't think we have.
1: I don't think we have. Okay. All right. So um, Chris writes, "Uh, there's been a problem with my wife's email for years that needed wrangling or total destruction. First, I thought I'd ask uh, them before going the scorched earth route. Her, uh, her inbox is out of control. With 90,000 plus email uh, addresses. And most of these are spam, Uh, she says. But some of them, of course, are that this particular address is related to a hobby business that she has. And many friends, contacts and even new business leads come into this address. And she's had this email since the day he dragged her away from Windows to the Mac in 2010. So it's an email address that is well entrenched, both in the spam world. And in the not spam world as a quick fix, Chris says, we set up VIPs um, too many new junk emails come in faster than we can deal with them. So we need a better long-term solution. It's okay. So VIPs, that's not a terrible like band bandaid uh, because you can essentially get a filter based on who sent you the email. But, uh, but he says, I need a better long-term solution. I agree. So um, it just seems like, you need a better spam filter in place. Um, I, and I'm, I'm surprised to hear, I, like, I don't know what Chris's wife's email, like what the provider is for this, but there are services that you can use to help filter mail that go beyond what either Apple or Google's generic spam filters do. Um uh, mail is, is one of them. Mailroot was, uh, a Mac Geek app sponsor a number of years ago, and you essentially insert them before your mail providers, so your mail would go to mail route first, and then go through their filters. And if it passes muster for their filters, will then be delivered to iCloud or Gmail or wherever else you want your mail. Uh, it, it requires doing some uh, DNS configuration to make that happen because that's how you choose where your mail goes. You may or may not have the ability to do that depending on what your email address is. Uh, but but if you control your own destiny and control your own domain, which it sounds like you probably do for a, a business, then that would be one way to do it. And I'll put a link to mail in the uh, in the show notes. Fastmail is the mail provider that I use and I their spam filtering is fantastic because not only do they have sort of a generic spam filter like like most mail providers do. They also let you configure your own spam filter uh, and it is very trainable unlike Google's where you know you move a message out of the spam folder and then the next one that matches that just goes right back in. That's not what happens with Fastmail their their engine actually listens to you and mail messages you put into the spam folder or delete from the spam folder are trained quote unquote as spam things you move out of the spam folder are trained as not spam and it really learns and listens so fast mail might be the uh the an, an answer for you so we'll put a link to that in the show notes too John, what are you what are you using for spam filtering these days? What are you relying on, I should say, for spam filtering?
2: Um, the one built in the mail.
1: Okay, okay. Um, is that the only one you're using, or are you letting your mail provider uh, currently? Currently, yes. So you don't use what mail provider do you use? Um, a whole bunch. And none of, and you have you have junk mail filtering turned off on the server side. You are only using no. Apple Mail. Yes. Interesting.
2: Yes, I'm using Apple Mail for spam filtering. Wow. That's it.
1: But yeah, That's some of the other, like, how do you? Uh, what, I, okay, so now I'm really curious how you went ahead and okay. did this. Um, like what your primary email? What what does that come into? Um. All right, let me ask a different question. Your yeah. your Mac Geek email, right? That th- I I know where that comes yes. in because I because <laughs> I, I, I control the domain. That comes into right. a Google address. So you right. have and then you, Google
2: filters the spam.
1: That's what I'm asking. So you, you have not gone into Google and turned off their spam filters. Correct. Got it. So you are leveraging both the server side from Google and then anything additional that Apple Mail wants to do locally. Right. So you're using and opt on both. Uh, okay. uh,
2: opt online. Also does that there's a they have spam filtering. So that's my ISP for the moment.
1: OK, so, um, you're, so you're letting whatever the server side for your provider correct is do yes. their thing. And then you've enabled you've gone into mail preferences and actually turned on its junk mail filter to right. to do more on top of that. OK. All right. That makes more sense. All right. Got it. Got it. Got it.
2: Yeah. Now, in the past, um, I don't know why I stopped using it. Um, because the, the the various services do a pretty good job on the server side of filtering out
1: garbage. Oh yeah, that's why I was surprised when you told me you turned those off. <laughs> it's like why they're usually pretty good. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um. I I was for a while using SpamSieve, and okay. I think that's one of the better um, client side spam filters.
1: Yeah. But yeah, I I agree. My my only issue with with any sort of client side spam filters is they don't run on iPhone. So if you want your, like if you, if you're relying on your phone for email, which I mean, I think is true for most of us, certainly some of us not, but uh, you kind of have to rely on, on the server side stuff. And that, that's one of the reasons I've been really happy with Fastmail is, is just how configurable it is. So
0: interesting. Okay. Cause I, I use spam assassin on my server on my domain. Yeah. Yeah. I control my own, and I've cranked up the number a little bit on that. Still, when one sneaks through, a case, that when one sneaks through, I don't worry about one, but it it kind of torques me when I get all of a sudden out of nowhere, I start getting a new email every day from the same domain. It's like, all right, <clears throat> so I'll actually go into my server and filter out that domain. when a, When a message arrives from this domain, delete it. Boom, done. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. And I, my guess is. A lot of providers, whether we know it or not, are leveraging spam assassin as part of their sort of, you know, heuristic suite because because it's just so good. I I do want to share one. uh, Don't make the same mistake I did. So with Fastmail, I mentioned that it's super configurable. It's more configurable than I than I shared. First of all, there are you can create like super customizable nerdy rules if you want. You do not have to. But if you're into that they'll let you. The second thing that you can do is say, "Okay, hey, look. These mailboxes, uh, cuz it's an IMAP server, so they have mail. You can you can designate mailboxes to be trained as not spam or train as spam. So you can say, "Hey, my archive mailbox, train that as not spam." You know, my in my uh whatever, you know, you, if you've got mailboxes sure. for things that you're archiving things to or putting things in, great to train those as not spam. You can also set mailboxes to train as spam. I made the mistake early on when I set up fast mail as a, you know, bushy haired. I don't know what the, the right thing is. You know, g- g- green knee high to a grasshopper, whatever that is. Uh, I made my spam folder train as spam. They now have a knowledge base article, folks, that tells you don't do this. Because we put the things that we think are spam into your spam folder so that you can review them. By marking your spam folder as train as spam, you've effectively told us anything we think is spam, you are confirming automatically. And that resulted recently in me winding up with piles of things that were just being called spam that shouldn't have, and I couldn't untrain them. Finally, I found this. I actually had to ask Fastmail. Can you delete my personal spam, you know, customizations? And they're like, "Yeah, we can." I'm like, "Great, please do that for me now that I've turned off this feature because I needed that." So, it yeah, make it's sure a bug, not a
0: feature, huh? Yeah. Well,
1: read read the uh,
0: you know read, read the manual read yeah. the manual. Yeah. Oh no, that's
1: oh, there's that sound. That sound. That's a nice sound, right? That's kind of how we feel when we find a deal, right? There's that surprise, that delight. Thanks to Honey, our sponsor for this episode, manually searching for coupons to find those deals is a thing of the past. Honey is the free shopping tool that scours the internet for promo codes and then applies the best one it finds to your cart. Imagine you're shopping on one of your favorite sites. When you check out, the honey button appears and all you have to do is click apply coupons. Then you wait a few seconds as honey searches for coupons it can find for that particular site and it tests them. And if honey finds a working coupon, you'll literally watch the prices drop on your screen. I just did this. You know, we were just in Mexico. I realized that I lost a bunch of weight last summer and my jeans still fit fine with a belt. My shorts. Yeah, not so much. So Uh, They were fine with a belt last week, but I got to fix this problem before I go away again. So I was looking for more shorts and I had honey running in my browser and boom, up came the coupons form. It was amazing. I saved like I don't know. I saved like 20 bucks buying a couple of pairs of shorts. It was amazing. Super easy. And honey doesn't just work on desktops. It works on your iPhone, too. You just activate it on Safari on your phone, and you can save on the go. If you don't already have Honey, you could be straight up missing out. And by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting the show. Get PayPal Honey for free at joinhoney.com MGG. That's joinhoney.com MGG. And our thanks to Honey for sponsoring this episode. Hey, while we're here, if you like tech podcasts, then you need to subscribe to Software Defined Talk right now. It's a weekly podcast that recaps all the news in cloud computing, DevOps and enterprise software. The hosts Cote, Matt Ray and Brandon will help keep you up to date on topics like Kubernetes. DevOps, platform engineering, and anything related to enterprise tech. Plus, they'll weave in plenty of nonsense, like how to optimize shopping at Costco. It's a fun, freewheeling conversation that will keep you informed and entertained while doing the dishes or walking your dog. So what are you waiting for? Subscribe to the podcast today by visiting softwaredefinedtalk.com or by searching for Software Defined Talk in your favorite podcast app and our thanks cote matt ray and brandon for doing this swap with us all right john cool stuff found what do you got more home
2: pod stuff um lee wrote in and uh said my one month old home pod biddy suddenly oops
1: sorry uh, we were going to cool stuff found oh sorry that's not cool stuff found but go ahead no you're you're, we're here now go stick with lee that's fine go
2: Okay, um, my one-month-old HomePod mini suddenly died. It wouldn't power on, even with a definitely live AC outlet and a different power supply. The online reset instructions say to unplug it, unplug it for 10 seconds, plug it back in, wait 10 seconds, then touch the pad on the top uh, for a while, and you'll see a white-red spinning light indicating it's in progress. When I did this, nothing happened. No flickering lights. Okay. Uh, So I went to the Apple store, luckily not too far away, and expected to have to get a replacement. But the genius just sighed, and while plugging in the HomePod, still no lights, said, watch this. He then rested a finger on the top pad for a good 30 seconds. Boom, it sprang back to life. Um, Half a minute is beyond my threshold of waiting uh, (laughs) in cases of a reset, but I guess not anymore. Um, He said... He said he'd seen it take a full minute, and then we're told to wait two minutes. All right. Oh. Um All So,
1: right, so re-explain this here. What, what's the procedure to to sort of force reset the HomePod and HomePod Mini?
2: Um, well, there are a few ways, but uh, what the genius did was powered it up, rested a finger on the top pad for thirty seconds, and then that revived
1: it. Oh, oh. So this wasn't just to reset it; this was to revive it. Interesting. Okay. Huh. All right. That's yeah, good no, to know. I also, that's, that's long I like I, I tend to agree with Lee. That's longer than I would have held it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh.
2: Yeah. Now another way to go about it, so yeah, there is an article here, which we will of course link to, called Reset HomePod or HomePod Mini. Um and it has a few different ways to do it. Um, I actually had to do this once, Dave. Um is you can do a restore on the HomePod mini. How do you do that? You may ask. Well, you plug the uh, USB C cable into your computer, and then the HomePod shows up in the Finder, and you say "Restore HomePod."
1: Huh? Oh, I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. So, uh, huh.
2: yeah, so it's a uh, using the data connection in the, uh, yeah, the right. USB C cable right. instead of yeah. I mean, normally you, you have it plugged into power, and there is no data um, going across the wire. So that's neat. I wonder if I plugged it into the computer,
1: would it show up
2: as a speaker? Probably. Ooh.
1: I wonder. Like, would that be a way of having you know essentially zero latency sound? I mean, I know with digital, there's no such thing as zero, but like closer than yeah. over Wi-Fi. Yeah. Yeah. I should. I should try that. Yeah. Huh? Interesting. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we did that one. I, I that like that's a great tip for uh, for all the HomePod folks out there. Um. Now going to cool stuff found. Allison shared a great little uh monitor with us. She says, "I heard you talking about the ViewSonic 1080p USB dis- USB C display a few weeks ago." She said, "I had a 1080p display from Cocoa par that I like too, but I just bought a 4K display from KYY, and it is so much better. It's super bright and super crisp. And get this." It's only 240 bucks at Amazon and at least as the moment of her email and the moment at which I bought it yesterday uh there's a $20 off coupon bringing it down to 219. Yeah, I'm moving from the uh the previous one that I had that was 1080p and I'll call normal uh to the 1080p OLED display which is what I talked about most recently after CES. That too made a huge difference. Uh and and there are oled 4k displays portable you know we're talking about these 15 inch uh, displays the portable displays to use when you travel i've got you know about 10 days of travel coming up between podcast movement in vegas and then south by southwest in austin so i figured perfect time to test this uh 210 220 uh, 4k display so that should arrive before I leave, and I'm looking forward to checking it out. So, thank you, Allison, for sending that in. Of course, links are in the show notes, including a link to Allison's review about that display as well. So, thanks for thanks for sharing that. Now, you want to take us to Alan, Mr. Braun? Yes, great.
2: Um, Alan says uh, in a recent episode you were talking about options for scanning family photos that were not digitized. I have used Google's Photo Scan app on the phone to get photos from our children's scrapbook into photos. The app has the ability to take multiple photos um, multiple photos of the paper photograph, one at each corner, in order to illuminate any glare from lighting on the glossy surface of the photograph. It then stitches these photos together to get the best photograph in a digital format. The photos can be saved to the iPhone's photo library, nice, uh, or to Google if you desire. I've used this multiple times to get scrap photos into a slideshow that can be shown at rehearsal dinners and other family events.
1: Okay, cool.
2: Yeah, Google does everything, don't they?
1: That yeah, we. It's a, go ahead. It's an
0: HDR. I was just saying, it's an HDR photo of your photos, basically, yeah. right?
1: Yeah. Mm. yeah, 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 yeah. And and it, I think it does like a lot of aspect correction and like all of that it stuff.
0: We, keystoning, yeah okay, keystoning yeah.
1: yeah exactly we've mm-hmm. we've had people recommend this in the past I completely forgot about it uh until until I saw that you, you know you had this one in the show notes it's like right that's the if you want to do this on your own that might be the the answer because you probably already have the hardware to make it happen I think I may
0: have done that we used that at one point you don't even need to take you just move the phone around on yeah. o- over the picture right and it takes it automatically when it sees the best that's yeah. right yeah that's right yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Pete, you ran into a problem this week, Uh where I did. You, I did, and you know what the worst part of that problem was? My personal tech
0: guru decided to take that week vacation in Mexico. <laughs> so I'm just saying. <laughs> I,
1: I wonder if I ran into him down there. <laughs> you may. You may know him well. Oh
0: man. So uh, yeah, I I was on tail scale when we talked about tail scale several months back i jumped right on it played with it a little bit got it up and running i'm like man this is great and i've been all over the world get right vpn right back into my uh right into my disk station yeah guess what it doesn't appear to happen on any other device well any other device that i have but your disk station has a software key that allows it to encrypt and decrypt and be part of that overlay VPN that that is tail scale. And that key expires. I have no idea why it doesn't appear to expire on my MacBook or on my um, uh, iMac or on my DVR, on my uh, Mac mini or any of those things. But I couldn't all of a sudden connect to my disk station. So I started looking around and I couldn't find a simple answer right away. Um, I, I did find one that's like, okay, well go create a new key and then install it this way. And, and it wasn't, it was it Docker or something else, Dave. I don't know what,
1: well, anyway, no, there's, there's an answer for you here. And, yeah. and really there's a piece yeah. of advice that if your tech guy wasn't uh, on the beach in Mexico or floating in the pool, yeah. by the way, if you're going to go to Mexico, talk about cool stuff found I'll, I'll find the link uh, that Lisa bought. We, she bought this year, you know, we always bring little floats to kind of float around in the pool with, and we bring, uh, like we bring the Arctic brand, RTIC brand, cause they're like half the price of Yeti brand, but we bring insulated mugs so that we can have, ask the bartenders to pour our drinks in these mugs and then they, they stay cool in the hot sun. This year, Lisa bought floating, uh, pool uh, cup cozies and they tethered the two of them tethered together. People, we loved them and everybody went gaga over it because all you had to do was float around. and If you needed a, a drink, you just lean forward and sip out of the straw and the thing would just float in the pool. It was amazing. So I'll, I'll put a link to that uh, somewhere in the show notes or, or, or whatever. I I, yeah, I got to get awesome. it from Lisa. Yeah, no, it was great. But as so, for everyone running Tailscale, Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but wait, there's less. So I, I, I found, yeah,
0: I, I found the answer on, well, actually I found I the question. Know, on... I
1: don't know that you found the answer because what you oh, shared with me okay. is not the advice that I, not the permanent advice. So if you go okay. log into your Tailscale account, you will mm-hmm. see uh, a list of all okay. of your machines. And right. if you, Uh, You'll see three dots to the right of each of the machines that are logged in. You can choose to disable key expiry for any or all of your machines. And this solves the problem that you ran into because the keys yes. expire. So I don't know if yes. that's the solution you found. It did like when I read it, through your email, I wasn't sure. So,
0: well, it is. Yeah. So okay. that that is what I found, but it Sorry. took me a while to get there. Like I said, initially yeah. it was all this, all this doc, you know, do a docker, get a new key, that kind of stuff. And I'm like, well, the, the question I have is overall is, is a, a rhetorical one. Why would you expire this key? Well, there's no need to expire.
1: I mean, I guess if the device hasn't logged in in a while, uh, it's possible Mm -hmm. someone could commandeer control of that device without having credentials to log into your account. Right. Uh, And so the the key is what lets it be part of your account. When you disable key expirer, you are making it less secure because you don't have to log in and, and, and do this on the regular. So that's right. the, that, that's gotcha. the issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So my, my answer was to go to the little tail scale logo up in the menu bar. Yep. And then you highlight your name and then the second item down once that pops up is admin console. Like you said, yes. you go to the right and you say, um, it, first option the, the disable key expiry. I don't recall being there. The first option that I saw was extend key life. And I went, oh, okay, I'll just extend the key life. And it was good for 30 minutes. Now I had 30 minutes to find an answer to figure out how to get my key to keep working. Right. And then I, I clicked up again, and that's when I saw disable key expiry. I went, ah, okay, I'm just going to do that and be done with it. So, um, But I found it interesting. I put that answer on the forum at uh, where did I put, hide that for myself? Uh, it's forum.tailscale.com. And I put that answer on there and someone else who had that exact same question said, I tried disabled key expiring and it's not working for me. So I don't right. know what there is, but, yep. uh, so my problem.
1: Yep, I got right, mine. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, well, all I can tell that person is go find your own personal tech expert.
1: Yeah.
0: Don't <laughs> let them go on vacation. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, sometimes we gotta go on vacation. It's just how it works. Uh, you know. so, you know. Yeah. 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 All right. Um what do we got next here? We got time for one more John you want to share, Neil?
2: Yeah, this looks cool. I may get one. Um, I don't know if this really counts as cool stuff out. I think it does. Um, oh, however, no, okay. in the past, I know there have been many online discussions about a USB-C Hub in contrast to a multi port dock and hub. Um Something analog uh, to a USB A hub of times past. Um, I saw a link to this in the most recent Podfeet blog. Oh, well, thank you, Allison. Ah, totally um, It's Pod the first Feed. time Great. I have seen a pure USB C hub. And it appears to be a USB C hub from a. Uh, Satechi, I believe. Satechi, yeah. yes. Yeah, I think I got some of their other stuff. Yeah. But um, yeah, it has some limitations. Um, so yeah, forty bucks, and you got four ports. Um, yeah. The only warning uh, from them is that it does not do power and it does not do video. So
1: right, this is a data only. Uh, you cut out a little bit, at least for me, John. So uh, just to reiterate, it's a data only okay. four port hub for forty bucks. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, like. If you, you would need, you can't run bus powered drives on this. Like that, that would sort of be the right. right? Like there, there's zero power coming from it. Or is there like five, there's gotta be five volts of power, right? Because otherwise it Uh. can't be USB. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Mm. Maybe there's zero. Maybe there really truly is zero power coming from this. Yeah. Mm Okay. All right.
2: Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and it deploys USB. Three rev, well, it, 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 five gigabits per second.
1: Much better. The there we are. Speed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right?
2: yeah. I'm like, oh, I, I don't even remember which version what, it is. Now. What does that naming convention mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So maybe may be, uh, good for uh, traveling when you want to uh, plug lots of things in. Yeah. And especially for people that have machines that have only two <laughs> USB-C ports, which I don't know if I could handle that. I've got a quick stump the dummy question then. Yeah, go. Why won't the Stream Deck
0: work unless it's plugged directly into the computer? You can't use a you
1: can't use it through a hub. I'm pretty. And it sure. even tells you that in their manual. I'm pretty sure mine is plugged into a hub. Really? Yeah. It. It. I mean, test it, Pete. I've seen a lot of manufacturers put that as a requirement because it keeps them from having to own the troubleshooting process of gotcha. of dealing with perhaps a hub like this right like cuz a stream deck wouldn't work on a hub like this because it does not pass power and and the stream deck needs power cuz it needs to be lit up like your right. device for it to work on this it would almost have to be externally powered like I'm maybe a mouse but I I don't
0: well yeah here's here's where it didn't work on the little hub that I have my little travel uh dongle type sure. hub, is uh the the only USB-C port on that is power in. Oh, and right. Therefore, so now I'm using it with a USB-C to a adapter and that's where it's gone stupid. Uh,
1: interesting. So okay, so yeah. I just
0: solved my own I just answered my own question. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, that's weird. I mean, again, I, like I I'd, I'd be curious as to why. I believe you. But yeah, yeah. but there's that's not a fundamental truth but it might be a specific truth about the way the stream deck folks are doing whatever it is sure. they're doing yeah sure. it, yeah it might need more power like that might be the the thing it might need yeah. more than than a would provide I, I don't know i mean it's got lights on it and stuff the stream deck we're yeah. talking about this device that uh, allows you it's really a, a bunch of customizable hot buttons on a on a nice little compact interface and and you can change the buttons are each their own LCD screens, LED screens, LCD, whatever. They're each their own little screens. so you can put icons or even words on there to tell you uh, what it is that you're about to do when you push the button. So,
0: what yeah. each button means. And yeah, it's awesome. I yeah. use it to quickly set up my entire setup when I'm going to podcast with you guys. Same. It, yeah, yeah. It launches everything I need launched, and and I don't forget something. And
1: yeah, it's beautiful. No, it's, beautiful. It's it's great yeah, yeah I, and i use it to change and i know you do too pete to change the views yeah. and mute things and unmute things it's it works out really well um one last thing i i in mexico this past week as as pete mentioned um i wound up using yet another uh data only sim this time i i chose one from the folks at allo sim they had reached out to us and said oh we think you're gonna like what we have and i i was impressed um price wise they, they they provided it to us for free um it, so i i didn't i did go to esimdb.com to to see how they how their pricing fit they were a couple of bucks more expensive than the one that i would have picked however unlike what i had to deal with in europe and i'm not sure you even talked about this on the show uh i wound up uh, in europe the the esim that we chose and i forget the brand name but uh but they i had we had to manually keep choosing the carrier to connect to. Like it wouldn't auto choose the carrier as we drove around to no, different places. No. It sucked. I I'll, I'll be honest with you. This allo yeah. sim did not do this to us. It auto-chose the carrier wherever we were in you know Mexico airport hotel whatever and uh and it worked great and it you know grabbed LTE signals and and that is something to look at what the maximum speed that the e that the ESIM you're choosing will support because i've seen some that are like oh yeah we only do 3g or 4g not lte not 5g the the one this allo sim one that i had uh this week did lte not 5g but uh but worked fairly well so it was uh yeah so that's was good uh, it, if they come up and they're the, they're the right sim for the right price i would i would happily choose them again so and that's uh that's gonna do it that's where we get. That's where we're at. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out with us, folks. Thanks for uh, sending in all your questions and your tips and your cool stuff found to feedback at If Of course, if you're a premium member, please use premium at MacGeekUp.com. Uh, and you can support us in a variety of different ways. Of course, you can go to MacGeekUp.com slash premium to learn about how to support us directly uh, with either you know credit card or, or PayPal. If you're using Fountain, uh, the, the, the Fountain Browser or the Fountain Podcast Listener or any of the Podcasting 2.0 apps, uh, you can support us directly there. You can stream to us, whatever works, any kind of support, consider yourself premium. And, and, of course, Apple podcast subscriptions. You get early access to the shows and that warm, fuzzy feeling you get from supporting your favorite tech podcasters. That, uh, that also uh, counts as premium, folks. So... Apple's weird because we don't get to know who you are. Because, you know, they hide all that. So let us know. Premium at MacDcup.com. Make sure you check out Pete's other podcasts. So thereiwas.us. Check out my other podcast too, businessbrain.show. Check out our merch, MacDcup.com slash merch. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for Thanks for telling other people about the show. That's that's really the uh, that's that's uh, that helps us immensely. Thanks for visiting our sponsors, too. Like I said at the top, just visiting them. You choose whether to buy. We appreciate it. All right, John, if you're not tired of doing this, what's it say on Pete's shirt?
2: Um, beetle. Oh, no, that's your shirt. Uh, <laughs> what's it say? It says, don't get caught.
1: Made on a Mac. That's some good advice. Wish me luck in buying fish tickets in two minutes.
0: <laughs> Later.